companies continue to struggle to find enough qualified employees in this tight labor pool. Today, we talk to a New Hampshire entrepreneur who helps businesses crack that code. Hello, I'm Matt Mowry, editor of Business New Hampshire Magazine. And I'm Nathan Carroll, founder and president of Cardinal Consulting. And welcome to BizCast NH. Happy New Year, Matt. Happy New Year. We're into it. We're rolling. Um, any, <laughs> the dreaded question, right? Any New Year's resolutions? Uh, you know what? I stopped lying to myself so long ago. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I'm going to go to the gym. No, I'm going to give the gym free money. Yes. You know, I'm going to yes. lose all this weight. Yeah. For about a month. And then I'm going to gain it all back and a little bit more. Why put myself through that roller coaster? Because I've realized that when it comes to me, I'm a filthy, filthy liar. Wow. Wow. You heard it here first. How about you? You heard, you, it, here, heard it here first. Uh, do you venture well, forth? Well, shoot. I'm not going, I'm not going to the gym. Uh, no, I don't, I don't do resolutions because sort of like you and I don't know how many other millions of Americans um, and people around the globe, we do them for three weeks and then we stop doing them. So um, I bought a bike two years ago. <laughs> I rode it three times. Uh, <laughs> well, you I have, have a lot ease. going on. Okay? You have to ease into no, it, right? No, no. So yeah, no, no real, you know, sort of personal resolutions um i'd love to get the washboard abs back but they're not coming back that was like you know 15 years ago it's not happening um and but you know business wise i think i i have a a number of things just in in mind to make the business even better than it is and um and you know be helping more people and and more small businesses and entrepreneurs so um i you know have a whole host of a whole list of things but really yeah no i'm staying away from from the gyms and the you know commitment to exercise and all that because I, gosh darn it, I walk the dog every morning, okay? There you go. You know, isn't that enough? That is. <laughs> it will be Olympic sports soon, I'm sure. Oh my goodness. Well, speaking of, uh, you know, being motivated and doing things, Chris Foreman is the CEO and founder of Lebanon, New Hampshire-based AppCast. With more than 25 years of industry experience and serial entrepreneurship, Chris is a pioneer in the development and deployment of smarter technology tools that have helped thousands of companies recruit and hire millions of job seekers around the globe. Welcome. Thanks, guys. Welcome, Appreciate welcome, it. welcome, Chris. Happy to be here. Um, that was a lovely intro, but I guess what we really need you to do right now is just dive right into what AppCast is and what um, what it's doing uh, for for employees and employers, as it were. Yeah. Um, when you bought that bike, uh, you know, for uh, <laughs> uh, your, your, well, no, yeah, but uh, when you bought the bike, you know, a few years ago, because you were going to become, uh, you know, the next Tour de France winner, um, <laughs> the, uh, did you notice that all of a sudden the bike started to follow you everywhere around the internet? Like, yes. have you ever seen that? Like, yes. all of a sudden, oh, yeah. like you just you, Google something, right. you know, because like you say how much you love matzo ball soup and then all of a sudden so you matzo ball soup, yep. like yeah, everywhere on yeah. every app. Yeah. We're the, we're, we're those guys, but for jobs. So, oh, so that's we, a great way to describe that. We developed a, a piece of technology that allows us to put the right job in front of the right person at the right time where people live, work and play online. And what's interesting about it is it's different than trying to figure out when you want matzo ball soup, because typically when you want matzo ball soup, you say matzo ball soup on WhatsApp and all of a sudden it starts showing up on Facebook or you type it into Google looking for a recipe. Those are, you know, kind of trigger events that, that help people understand your intent. Um, job seekers have what I call the beet farmer day moment. 
And it is super hard to figure out when everyone's beet farmer day is. So if you're wondering what the beet farmer day is, it is when (laughs) you are driving home to wife, husband, girlfriend, boyfriend, partner, call your mom, uncle, you know, whoever you trust the most. And you say some iteration of the following. That's it. I'm done. I am never going back to that clown show again. And there's been a lot of people (laughs) saying that lately. And so, you know, figuring out when somebody, because everybody is a job seeker all the time. So like if President Biden called me up and asked me to become ambassador to Germany, done, I'm out of here. I'm like, I quit, I quit. But, you know, other than that, (laughs) I kind of like my job and, and, you know, I, I love what I do. So it's, it's kind of understanding where everybody is on that rheostat, you know, like you turn the lights up, up and down, you know, are they really bright because they're looking for an opportunity now, or maybe it's much dimmer and it needs to be precisely right. So, um, our software is used by a couple thousand big companies. We help the biggest companies in the world. Uh, we don't, you know, help small companies. Uh, so these are organizations that hire thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Um, we manage about. Right now, we have about $1.2 billion worth of job advertising spend going through the software. And um, we help them hire and recruit great people across the globe. Now, you have a front row seat to what's going on in the employment world. 100%. So, you know, we've heard about the great American quit, you know, that this has been the largest number of people leaving their jobs. Have you been seeing that? And, and what are the trends that you have been seeing uh, so far in 20, or that you saw in 2021? Yeah, so the, so the, the first thing is, um, you know, from a macro trend, uh, you know, in the late 1990s, McKinsey wrote, um, the consulting firm published a kind of a seminal white paper called The War for Talent. And so, like, you can't open up the Wall Street Journal and once a week not see it referenced. And the thesis behind, you know, that was kind of in the white paper was that, uh, the future, the winners and losers economically and in the business world are going to be defined by the people that acquire the best talent. And they thought about talent through the lens, you know, of very, in the very rarefied air, like a CEO where she can decide one day we are, you know, selling derivatives and the next day we're selling lollipops because the lollipop market is going to explode. You know, somebody that can change the trajectory of a business. Also, knowledge workers, software developers, people that, you know, are creative and entrepreneurial. That, that's what McKinsey, um, the McKinsey paper talked about is whoever could get those folks wins. COVID's changed that. It's still true. There's nothing that, that, that was in that white paper that isn't true, in my opinion. But you know what costs more to get somebody to apply for a job, to put stuff in a box, to ship to someone's house? than it is to get a software developer in Silicon Valley to apply for a job right now. Really? Yes. The war for talent has moved to people that work with their hands, not just their brains. If you think about the United States economy, 70% of it is driven through services, right? You know, yep. Right. Okay. Um, COVID has changed how people access those services. They want their food delivered to them. They want their, their shopping delivered to them. They, you know, we have greater needs for healthcare services, people putting jabs in arms. All those things can't be done over Zoom. Right. And so, you know, the, the market has changed. And at the same time, you've seen um, 
So demand in the blue collar segment, or pe- it's not really even blue collar, it's people that work with their hands um, because gig isn't traditionally defined as, as blue collar. And there's a lot of jobs that you look at and say, that's not a blue collar job. They're not covered in grease, but in fact, they're doing something with their bodies rather than typing, you know, on a keyboard. Mm-hmm. At the same time, we've seen the, the supply of talent in the United States decrease. So if you take a look at the number of people that were working in February of 2020 and compare it to today, we still have six plus million, seven million workers on the sidelines, not working. Right. And, and, you know, there's a lot of people that are like, oh my goodness gracious, why? Um, You know, is it because we have extended unemployment benefits and the extended tax credit that goes to families? So the government is putting more money into people's hands. Is it, you know, care? Is it fear? And the the honest answer is it's a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm, you know, the, right. the, the the public policy stuff is is you know, tertiary. You know, the biggest thing is I need somebody to take care of my kids. I need somebody to take care of my my elderly parents, and I'm scared about going back to work. But if you combine those two things, the the fact that we have six to seven million workers on the sidelines, and demand in what has traditionally been kind of hourly retail style work it's boom i mean this is i've i've been building recruiting technology for over 20 years i've never ever seen it like this before and so i imagine you know we're talking at the jobs you're you're referencing tend to be lower paying jobs, not a lot of benefits. Is that starting to change? Are 100%. you starting to see what are companies doing to try and lure folks off the sidelines and back into the, the workplace? Oh, it's paying benefits. Um, you know, there's, there's, at the end of the day, um, if you are a, a company that needs people to do work with their hands, if you don't have enough people to do that work, you don't have a company. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, period. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, if what you are, you know, you've got two choices. Well, you've got one choice. To win the talent war, people at, in that part of the market, a dollar per hour in shift differential is huge. You know, the, the candidly, in, before COVID, there was all this research that showed the impact of having facilities on public transportation routes. Um, having the appropriate timing of your shifts for second shift workers, you know, so that mothers could work there. I mean, there's all this esoteric stuff that, you know, for the folk, those of us that are lucky enough to, to not be, you know, wondering whether or not 25 cents an hour is going to make a difference in our lives. That's the way it used to be. Now companies just, they just have to pay up. And so for the first time in, oh gosh, you know, since the seventies, we're starting to see the wage inflation for folks at the lower end of the income stream. And that's, that's a huge deal. I mean, folks like us generally, and probably the people listening to this podcast, have all done relatively okay. All right? Knowledge-based workers have always done okay in the U.S. economy. It's been a long time since folks that work with their hands have done okay. And now, in the last six to nine months, that's changed materially. It's true. It's true. Um, you know, drive-by... I, heck, I hate to say it, but even a McDonald's, you know, and the, the sign out front is starting at what, $16, $17 an hour. Yeah. Um, that's, that's huge. It's, it's a, a huge big change. change. It's, a, it's a big change. And, you know, it's, you know, there's two sides to this. You know, it's from a worker standpoint, you know, 
I don't know what I'm supposed to say not to hear, but about damn time, right? I mean, you know, I think about Angela and I have four kids and, and, you know, I can't even imagine if both of us were making $15 an hour, how we would put food on the table and, and, and a roof over people's heads. And so, you know, the, the fact that it's moving up and to the right for that group of folks is great. Then you've got small business owners saying, holy moly, you know, I can't, I can't balance my books if right. I'm paying people $20 an hour. And I get that, which is why, you know, candidly, we're starting to see some level of inflation. And, and you know, so prices are going to go up. Sadly, some businesses are going to go under because they haven't kept pace with what the consumer wants. You know, companies that are hitting the market the right way can and will succeed. And do you, I know there's no crystal ball, but, uh, you know, we've started the new year. Um, do you see things loosening up in 2022 or is, are we in for more of the same with the, a tight labor pool? Listen to the Fed. Um, so, uh, you know, when the Fed starts to talk about inflation as structural rather than temporary or episodic, you are going to see um, a tightening of, of kind of monetary policy. Basically, money is going to get more expensive. The Fed's going to raise rates. When that happens, whoop. All of a sudden, the labor economy is going to chill out. So it's still going to be hot because we have good economic growth. Savings rates in, in America right now are the highest they've been in like forever. Mm. There, people have more money in the bank, and one of the things that Americans do is we spend it. So you know, there's going to be strong consumer sentiment moving forward. But if the Fed starts to think that um, there's going to be inflation that is structural, they're going to take steps to knock it down a little bit, and that's going to cool off the labor market. Barring that, um, and you know, if you, take, if you listen to the Fed statements, they still believe that it is temporal and episodic. Uh, the economy is going to run hot, and it's going to be another hot year. We'll be right back with Chris Foreman, CEO of AppCast. McLean Middleton is a full-service law firm with over 100 attorneys and 25 paralegals throughout its five offices in Manchester, Concord, and Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and Woburn in Boston, Massachusetts. For over 100 years, they've been providing exceptional legal services to businesses, individuals, and nonprofit organizations across the region. Visit McLean.com for a complete list of practice areas and attorneys. We're back with Chris Foreman. Chris, I want to um, maybe switch gears for a minute and then we can get back to, we have so many questions for you. It, it's such a, um, you're a wealth of information and, and there's so much I think we could ask you about, but this is, I think, the most important question of the day. I heard that you live on a dairy farm here in New Hampshire. Yep, that's true. Is it a working dairy farm? Do you have cows? We do. We have cows, nice. pigs, How many sheep, cows? and chickens. We have, it's small. I think we have eight. Um, and uh, yeah, it's called Millbridge Farm. Um, I am very, very happily the uh, poorly skilled farmhand. My wife is the <laughs> farmer. Um, our kids all did 4-H. And um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's an important part of our family. We like to know where our food comes from. So, you know, we have a big market garden. Again, Angela does that. I cheer from the sidelines. Um, <laughs> smart, and, smart, um, smart. and uh, you know, we, we get milk from the cows and make cheese and butter and yogurt and uh, at some point in 2022, hopefully we'll be launching Millbridge Farm cheeses. I'll send you guys some cheese. Oh. And so, yeah. Yeah. So it's good. Cheese coming our way. Nice. Yes. Nice. Uh, thank you for that little dive into your personal life. Um, 
and let's go back even uh, a little bit further here. Um, you founded AppCast in 2014, is that mm-hmm. right? Okay, yep. and now you are in, you have employees or, or operations, as it were, in four countries and almost 300 employees? How? Uh, blind squirrel finds nut. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. Yep. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Done. All right. So, Wrap it up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, so, no. Go um, ahead, Chris. Uh, so just to roll back a, a little bit further, I'm, yeah. I moved to New Hampshire. Um, I was one of these kids that grew up all over the place. You know, I was born on an Air Force base in Arizona, you know, lived in California. Dad was an academic. Fellow Air Force brat. Love there you go. There That's right. That's why I was 15 minutes early. My dad taught me. Uh, you know, you're, 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 early you're, is on time and on time is late. That's right. <laughs> um, and so uh, anyway, uh, Angela and I met at a small school in, in Maine, fell madly in love, uh, went to... Uh, Washington, D.C., I was a reporter on Capitol Hill, and Angela worked at NIH because she's brilliant. And when we got engaged, we made a deal. I was going to follow her to medical school, and she got in everywhere. I mean, like everywhere. And she chose Dartmouth, which is beautiful and great. I went up there and interviewed at the one newspaper, and they're like, we love your clips, and you're clearly a good journalist, but somebody basically needs to die for you to get a job here. <laughs> like, I mean, like, like people, well, you're like, like yeah, that's right. So I'm like, huh, I got to pay the rent. And so I, I, in the newspaper, old school, I found a job ad um, for a little startup. You know, wherever there is smart people, there tends to be, and colleges attract smart people. Um, uh, there's a bubble of, of talent and, and capital. So there's always a startup community. So I found a little startup, and I, I bluffed my way into a marketing job, uh, saying I could write, which I could. And one thing led to another. I um, found I was a much better business guy than I was a journalist. And so AppCast is the fourth company that a group of us have worked at together. Um, You know, I've run or founded um, over the last 20 years. All of them have been in the recruiting technology space. So the first one was a bootstrap that a guy by the name of Mike Foster founded. It was headquartered in Hanover, New Hampshire. I ended up becoming the CEO. We sold it to our largest customer. uh, uh, a company in the United States called The Right Thing. Really funny name, but a great company, about a thousand people, big recruitment outsourcing firm. We were a software company uh, in the rec tech space. And then we ended up selling that business to ADP, the big payroll processing company. And from that, um, I founded an incubator that kicked out a couple of companies, all of them successful. And the last one was AppCast. And, you know, AppCast came out of an abject failure that we had in another one of our experiments where we were trying to build a a type of pay-for-performance ad technology for jobs. It didn't work. But in the process of failing spectacularly, <laughs> um, we figured out what would work. And so um, in January 2014, in our first month, we did a princely sum of like $3,300 worth of revenue. And uh, this last month, we did over $30 million Wow. Wow. in revenue. So, so yeah, in one month. And so it's crazy. It's um, I've been doing this for a while. Uh, and I keep on telling the folks that I work with, I'm kind of like that guy, you know, that, that alumni walking across campus at college that shakes the freshmen and says, these are the best years of your life. Enjoy them. Right? <laughs> and I kind of do such an inspiration. I, I, I do that at work. And people are like, yeah, all right, old man, whatever. <laughs> so, Why are you shaking? Mark yeah. my words. That's, that's right. That's right. So I can hear the business owners and executives that are listening, kind of shouting at me going, ask the question, which is they're all trying to find talent. So what are the biggest mistakes that companies make when they're trying to recruit? Being a, being a crappy place to work. 
Well, that would be number one. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. Like, I, I, I mean, people, yeah. I, I get asked, uh, you know, a lot about how to recruit more effectively. Mm-hmm. And, and I found life is pretty simple, right? So if you're struggling to get people to come work for you, the first thing that you have to do is you need to ask yourself, if you didn't own the place, would you want to come work there? And so build a great place to work, you know, a lot, you know, create an environment where smart, hardworking people want to come, be engaged. You got to pay them fairly. I'm not talking about paying them the best. In fact, you know, at AppCast, we don't. We pay middle of the bell curve. We have outstanding benefits because, you know, if you're working really hard and we work really hard, nobody should care about, you know, worry about whether or not their kids can, you know, go to the dentist or, you know, go see a doctor. Um, you know, that we have outstanding maternity and paternity benefits, you know, like every, no matter who you are, mom or a dad, you get three months off paid, period. No questions asked. Um, and, and why? Because we want people that come to us that are smart, that work hard, but also want to build a career and, and, and candidly kind of their family with us. And so, you know, you don't have to be Google. You don't have to offer free dry cleaning and free food every single day and all that type of stuff to create a best-in-class workplace. But um, what we've done is we've just tried to create a place where it's fun to come to work and, and employees feel respected and cared for. If you do that, recruiting's like anything else. It's work. It's hard. But you can succeed. I mean, we've, we've hired 130 people this year. And... Wow. It's been okay. Like, honestly, we haven't had a hard time recruiting. Um, and so, so there's that. Now, if, uh, how can you objectively measure if you're a good place to work? Well, you know, I think one of the big issues with HR is oftentimes it is, it's not, it, people think it's fuzzy. It doesn't need to be. You know, there's great survey tools out there where you can be talking to your, your, your employees in an anonymous way, understanding how they feel. You can be looking at your glass door ratings. All right. So a lot of people give don't like Glassdoor. Well, if your Glassdoor rating isn't what it should be, you should be thinking about why it isn't, you know, kind of some tough love here, because that's exactly what a job seeker is going to do. They find your ad. They're like, that sounds great. And then they go to Glassdoor and find out that everyone hates you. That makes recruiting really hard. And I find uh, it's interesting, though, companies that have a thoughtful response to the criticism of Glassdoor versus those that. It's, it's radio silence from the company. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Being authentic is, is huge. And, you know, that's why, you know, you can't try to be something that you're not. So, like, people come on in, tap guest, and they say, well, I'm really interested in work-life balance. I'm like, that's great. I have a family. Everybody here has a family. We love our families. We don't really do the work-life balance thing. And what I mean by that is we don't keep track of vacation no one has to tell, you know, there's no hour sheets or time sheets. If I want to go watch my son play hockey or daughter play hockey, I go do that. I'm an adult. I can just get up and leave. I still have to do my job. And so, you know, that night I go back and, you know, between 10 and 1 a.m. I get my job done. It's work and life are together. Right. They're not separate. And if people are coming, like we're very honest at AppCast, that's not really what we do. <laughs> right. And so love me, love my dog. And so, you know, and, and being authentic is important. Being good to your people is important. After that, it's tactics. So, you know, making sure that you get your ads out to the largest possible, you know, kind of um, sea of eyeballs. 
making sure that your recruiting process works like your sales process, right? Imagine if somebody called you and wanted to buy your product and no one called them back, right? Or wasn't responsive, mm-hmm. right? Somebody would get fired for that. Well, honestly, it's got to be the same way in recruiting. You got to be thinking about this like you're, you're selling one of your products, like it's a revenue issue. You know, these are people that in this market are taking the time to put an application into you. It's got to be like showing up at the Four Seasons Hotel. It's got to be beautiful in terms of a process. So, I mean, we could talk for hours about what to do and what not to do, but the companies that are good places to work, they win structurally. Now, one of the things that I hear a lot from companies now is that, you know, there's more in, in, in here in New Hampshire, more of a, a focus on diversity and trying to create mm-hmm. a more diverse and inclusive workplace. But, you know, I hear from a lot of small companies like, you know, how do I reach out to a wider pool of applicants? Where can I, I'm not pulling in a diverse pool, so it's harder for me to create that diverse work workforce. Is that an issue that you're finding with companies? Uh, mm-hmm. what, where, how, what are some of the strategies successful companies are using to ensure that they are reaching out to as many folks as they can to, to draw in that, that pool they need? So when the government looks at whether or not a company has been hiring you know, legally, like through the EEOC, mm-hmm. you know, kind of having a, a discriminatory hiring practice, what they do is they compare the population from which you recruit to the population of people that you hire, okay? And if there is a divergence based in race, gender, blah, 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 then all of a sudden, you know, flag on the play, personal foul, 15 yards. Um, so the first thing that, that everybody needs to understand is you need to look at the community from which you recruit, right? So if you're running a pizza shop in Bethlehem, New Hampshire. Oh, I know that place. Yeah. <laughs> you know, And you've got 10 employees and you say, well, I want to have, you know, uh, half my employees be women because half of the population are women. And I, you know, 13% of the population are African-American, 4% are, you know, um, Asian-American and 13% are Hispanic. That's going to be super hard to do. You could probably do the do do debt thing. Right. But, but, you know, Bethlehem is Bethlehem is Bethlehem. And you, even if you go out 30 miles, that's hard. So the first thing is you got to understand what is possible and what isn't possible. And sometimes people are applying standards that would be rational in New York City to upstate New Hampshire. And, and that's just not what the community is. For AppCast, you know, we have, besides Le- you know, New Hampshire, we have offices in a bunch of places. And so we don't, we don't, get, a free, we don't get a free pass on that one. And if I look at our organization, we're not doing what we should. We don't look like the communities from which we recruit as much as I would like them to be. We're, we're running about you know, high 30s in terms of women, um, mid, uh, mid to low 30s in terms of women in leadership roles. Uh, we have less than 10% people of color. Um, some of that can be explained by the fact that our big offices are in Lebanon, Fredericton, New Brunswick, Minsk, Belarus. Um, but we also have Denver, we have Chicago, and we have Boston. So how do we solve that? The first thing is, is that you talk about it all the time and you don't talk about it, at least from my perspective, through the lens of equity, which may be counterintuitive. You talk about it through the lens of why it's good for business. 
All right. There's been a lot of research that shows companies that reflect the communities from which they, where they sell their products. If you, if your company reflects that community, you do better. You sell more. All right. You have lower churn rate in in your employees. It's a it's a better business decision. And so we talk a lot about how in we operate in a global environment against the smartest people in the world um, that work for the biggest companies in the world. The only way we have a shot, a shot of continuing to succeed is to find the best talent. And candidly, if in fact diverse communities are overlooked, the opportunity that we have there is that's an area of talent that others aren't tapping into. You know, an organizing principle for us is that talent and smarts are universally and equally distributed across the globe. Like when I started my first company, TechCrunch wrote about us in New Hampshire as like, oh my God, I can't believe there's a technology company in New Hampshire. <laughs> I mean, it was so coastal. Yeah, yeah. And, but listen, we survived and thrived and, and you know, um, we exited all four of our companies and, and everybody's made good money. And, and, you know, you can't say that for a bunch of folks in Union Square or Silicon Valley. And so the, if you believe talent is universally distributed and you've got a population which most companies are not tapping into, it is only logical that for a scrappy company, you go look in that, in that area. So there's research that shows if you're more diverse, you do better in terms of sales and revenue. Also, uh, you will do better on global competition because you're getting the smart people that the other people are too dumb to overlook or, or too dumb and overlook. Mm. Thank you, Chris. Wow. Well, uh, thank you for your knowledge. Um, I feel like I could listen to you for hours and hours, but I, unfortunately today we don't have hours and hours, but we'd love to have you back sometime and, and maybe even delve even further into this, depending on what happens in 2022. But Chris Foreman is CEO and founder of AppCast. We're so happy to have you and uh, thanks, for, uh, thanks for chatting with us. Thanks guys, appreciate it. Thank you, it's been a fascinating discussion. And now the buzz with Matt Mowry. Here's what we're buzzing about this week. So Nathan, what does your family do to beg off cabin fever during the winter? Oh my God. Uh, not enough, unfortunately. <laughs> you know, well, we're always, you know, even if it's a busy day, it's always, you know, can we get out for a walk with the kids? Can we take the dog for a walk? Can we play in the snow as it were, if, if that's time of year or just, you know, be outside. Um, if it's just in the yard, bouncing a ball around for a few minutes or something, um, you know, we know we've got to get out and do it. I have uh, currently a two and a five-year-old. So, you know, if if uh, we don't do that, they start bouncing off the walls quite exactly. literally. You know? and, and during the pandemic, people were bouncing off the walls. Uh, I mean, yeah. By winter, they needed out. Myself included. And that showed uh, with our ski resorts. So people were hitting the slopes last year. And ski officials are hopeful we are in for another successful season this year, despite the pandemic, as people continue to seek ways to get out of the house during the winter. So according to Ski New Hampshire, overall total winter visits, that includes alpine, the downhill skiing, cross-country, tubing, the number of visits during the 2020-2021 season totaled over 2 million visits, which statistically mirrors the 10-year average. So while a lot of businesses suffered during the pandemic, ski resorts were still doing well. And so, uh, you know, the, it was up 4% compared to the 2019-20 season, which was cut short by anywhere from two to four weeks uh, for New Hampshire ski areas due to the pandemic. Um, Alpine ski visits alone were up 5% over the previous year. 
Uh, and cross, well, cross country was the only one that went down. They were down 10% over last year. Um, at uh, tubing was up 1%. So overall, you know, downhill <laughs> skiing did well, the tubing getting the kids out. Yeah. Cross country skiing, hopefully we'll be seeing that bouncing back this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think, you know, it was good to know our ski resorts are still doing strong and we might be in uh, for another good season. I would say so for this year. Yeah. Good. And that's what we're buzzing about this week. Welcome back to the Cardinal Corner. I'm Nathan Carroll. So, you want to start a podcast? <laughs> hey, Matt, remember when we um, had one of the first conversations about starting a podcast? Oh, so, so many months ago. Oh, my God. It was, it was, yeah, it was, it seems like forever ago. Um, I think it, you know, it's a trend, which is cool. Uh, it shows that it's a trend in, you know, building or, or having a podcast. There's over uh, 2 million podcasts out there with umpteen million episodes out there. So, um, you know, you can easily get lost. But so for for some of our listeners who haven't heard uh, or haven't heard the story maybe in the first few episodes that that we've had just about a year ago or over a year ago now, I I approached Business New Hampshire magazine and and Heidi and Matt and I said, hey, you want to start a podcast? I knew nothing about producing a podcast, right? I was just a listener. Um, but because of that, I knew a few things by default, right? If you listen, you're like, I like this, or I don't like this, or this is what I enjoy for content or the sound of someone's voice. Um, I knew that we had interesting topics with endless content, which is good because you don't want to, you know, put time and money into a podcast and then have like 10 episodes and then nothing. Um, so you need that, you know, that content or the type of content that just keeps flowing. Um, I knew that it needed to be top notch sound quality and production, which is exactly why we're here at Clark creative with Mike and, and, and doing what we're doing because it sounds good. It's, it's edited. It, it, it's, it's solid. It, if I may say so myself, um, but, and we also, I mean, we spent the, the year strategizing about, you know, everything from sound quality to the right guests, the style of the show, how we talked, what we talked about, the length of the show, all of this stuff, what it would be called, when we would re- release and what the logo would look like. It's, it, it's almost maddening to even, to even think about, um, what I know now though, that I didn't a year ago is amazing really. And, and what stands out is that making a podcast involves... This is for our listeners who want to start a podcast. A lot of preparation, a lot, not only in the, you know, getting yourself up to speed as to how to produce it, but getting to know your guests before they walk in the door, you know, and and being able to ask the right questions and have the dynamic conversations that we have because we're so dynamic, aren't we, Matt? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Let's just pat ourselves on the back. We are. We are. You can't hear it because we're keeping our hands off the table, but that's good. See, that's another thing. Sound quality. Anyway, um, so for those interested in starting a podcast, find someone, here's my advice, find someone who knows a heck of a lot more about podcast production than you do. Pick their brain. Also, this may seem a little bit silly, but it totally, just Google starting a podcast. The amount, the amount of free information, startup guides, information online is awesome. And it's good information. It's not going to lead you down the wrong path. Um, we said it earlier too, but make, make sure this is something that people will actually listen to and that there's, of course, enough content for more than, I don't know, 10 episodes or so. Um, and make sure it sounds amazing. 
<laughs> Thanks for joining me in the Cardinal Corner, part of the best damn podcast in New Hampshire. Look for more podcast tips and resources on our blog and website at cardinalconsultingnh.com. Find us on social at cardinalconsultingnh. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed the stories and information you heard in today's podcast, find more by subscribing to Business NH Magazine or visiting businessnhmagazine.com. I'm Matt Mowry. And I'm Nathan Carroll. BizCast NH is a joint production of Business NH Magazine and Cardinal Consulting. Listen to us anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. Mm-hmm.